She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. In search of... Killer Bees. <gasps> Killer Bees. This episode was written and produced by Alex Pamantanov. He will write seven episodes of In Search Of, including the next one we're going to talk about. He also wrote the TV documentary National Geographic, The Invisible World, and the pilot episode of a show that's called The Future, What's Next? <gasps> so who, I don't know what that was about, but it sounds exciting. It, sounds it probably like it would not about be the future exciting now. What's next? So. <laughs> Which in 1970, who knows what they thought that would be, but clearly yeah. probably not what it is anyway you don't know you haven't seen it tori i haven't so i don't know i don't know what they were talking about i'm hoping like on. robot maids and flying cars but you know you um, never know the jetsons you want the jetsons is what you want <laughs> okay gotcha all right i mean basically yeah meet tori santani dun, dun, dun. <laughs> i watched a lot of jetsons and flintstones <laughs> when i was a kid and i watched the cross they're the same show jetsons they're the, the exact same show just one is in Actually, there is a there is a little fan thing that the Jetsons, because there is a crossover between the Jetsons and the Flintstones. Yeah, I've seen it. And there is a theory that the Flintstones actually live down below the Jetsons. All the futuristic uh... people live above and all after the nuclear bombardment and the Earth was destroyed and people were thrown back to the Stone Age. Then the Flintstones all live on the Earth and then the Jetsons all live in the sky. They take place at the same time period. One's not like the past, and one's the future. No, they're just the same. They're the That's same interesting. Time period. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. There is no director listed on this episode, so I guess take that as you will. This series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy, and this episode originally aired on Sunday, May first, nineteen seventy-seven. Which May first is my mom's birthday. Uh-huh. Not 1977, though. That's not when she was born. Okay, yeah, because then she would have been uh, I was born in five so when you would... were born. <laughs> would not have worked out. But yeah, her birthday is May 1st. So. And she was in the National Enquirer. Anyway, <laughs> so we get, as we normally do when we start, we get narration by Leonard Nimoy. And he says, a deadly bee is spreading northward toward the United States. A scientific test of their aggressiveness was attempted in Brazil by B expert Dr. Norman Gary. So then we see Dr. Norman Gary and he's wearing one of those beekeeper type suits and he's standing near a beehive and he's being swarmed by bees. And he's like dangling this black thing in front of the hive and he says 500 of the bees have already come out and they're hitting my legs like crazy. And Gary says they're overdoing this test and he's going to have to go ahead and like move out because like the bees are just so much more aggressive than they even expected that he needs to like kind of put some distance between himself and the hive. So he kind of moves away. And then we see, even though he's moved away from the hive, there are bees crawling on the camera lens because they're just all over and they're still kind of like pelting him and like around him. Mm -hmm. And he says, I wasn't prepared for the kind of action we're getting here. And as he walks, he notes that one of the bees got inside his veil And he starts moving faster and he says, yep, they're all over me. He now has two inside his veil. And he says, sure wasn't prepared for this one. So clearly 
was not expecting even that level of aggressiveness. Yeah. And then boom, opening credits. Do, 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 do. So actually a weird little, we got a little tiny narration and then we actually got part of the show in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Kind of breaking the format a little. Yeah. And then we get that mid credit break where Leonard Nimoy comes back and he says for over 9,000 years, honeybees like these have served man willingly. Now that peaceful relationship is threatened by intruders. <gasps> then it says in search of killer bees. And during that little bit where he's doing that little bit of narration, you see this big like cluster of bees and then it moves and you realize it's their bees on some dude's head. He's totally covered. It's actually Dr. Gary, but I guess cause those are normal bees. So they're not going to kill him. So, yeah. Yeah. But still, <laughs> anyway, and then we get bees. our theory and conjecture caveat. And then we just jump right in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So Nimoy tells us that the beautiful hills that surround Rio de Janeiro usually protect the city from the jungles beyond. But on September 16th, 1965, a swarm of killer bees attacked in downtown Rio, bombarding anything that moved. 60 people were badly stung. (gasps) That to me is horrifying. Like I am... I'm not afraid of like honeybees so much, but like wasps are sure. And like swarms of bees, especially like aggressive killer stinging bees. Yeah, that's terrifying. Mm. Nimoy continues that frightening though it seems, killer bees demand our respect. They live longer, work harder, breed faster, and produce up to twice as much honey as other bees. And I could only be like harder, better, faster, stronger. <laughs> Work it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger. Anyway, yeah, sorry. That's all I could think yeah. of because it's like it totally hits it. It's like harder, faster, produce twice as much honey. That's maybe better. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. It's totally, close, it's yeah. yeah. Maybe Daft Punk saw this episode and was like, hey, you know what? <laughs> killer bees. Yeah. So to understand these quote unquote killer bees, we must first look at the European honeybee, which is the bee that's common in the United States. Yep. And then we see Dr. Norman Gary and he's putting on his beekeeper gear and he sprays some smoke around a hive to pacify the bee so he can expect the hive. And he pops out one of the little, you know, slats they have. And then we talk about how like inside the hive is a highly organized insect society. Bees are actually very social. Their beeswax combs have different cells that store pollen and honey, as well as serve as chambers to raise new bees. Most of the hive is made of worker bees, all who have their own job. Some keep it clean. Some build and repair the combs. They have mortician bees that mm-hmm. remove the dead bees. They also apparently have like AC bees whose their only job, I guess, is to stand there and like beat their wings to cool the hive off, they said. I don't know if that's really not. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine being a bee and being like, man, I really got the crappy job. I got to stand here and wave my wings all the time. Well, mm-hmm. Norman over there is like building a honeycomb yeah sucking the queen's butt anyway (laughs) at the center of every hive there is a queen as we just mentioned and she may lay up to 1500 eggs every day they take three weeks to develop before they hatch and then they come out as a full bee right so an adult bee and bees live for about six weeks And then we have worker bees who find the nectar and the pollen, and then they return to the hive and they do a dance and tell everybody like, hey, this flower over here. So apparently they, they like to dance. Yeah. Like aliens, I guess. <laughs> and soon a group of worker bees find the spot and begin to collect the food. 
Apparently, bees can remember the exact location and time of day that a certain flower produces nectar. So they have like a schedule. They keep Yeah. So they know like when to go to this flower, when to go to this one. So yeah. They have like a, a little bee route that they travel yeah. and collect. Mm-hmm. And then there are guard bees that stand at the entrance of the hive and they scrutinize every bee that returns and they're always on alert for intruders. Ooh. So that, that seems like a good system, I guess. Bear! Oh. <laughs> and then inside the hive, obviously, nectar is turned to honey. And then about once a year, a hive's population begins to exceed the hive's capacity. So workers make preparations to make a new queen. And once they have the new queen, half the population will swarm with the current queen. And so they'll fly away to find a new place to live. And they'll leave the new queen at the old hive with like half the bees. Oh, so you like inherit the place. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of assumed it'd be the other way around. You would like think the, like but the queen bee would reason. fly away and the other bees would follow her and they'd find a place. But oh, hmm, interesting. Yeah. And the bees that are common in the United States are actually derived from the Italian honeybee. And that was deliberately introduced here. Yes. But in Africa, there are also honeybees. But thousands of years of evolution has obviously caused some differences. They breed faster and swarm more often than other bees. They have an unpredictable habitat where sudden brush fryers and predators are common. And this has given the bees a temperamental disposition, a sudden movement, a dark color, or even a whiff of carbon dioxide can send them into a stinging frenzy because they're Africans. They're obviously savage bees. (laughs) I don't think that that's it. I think it's just that because. Oh, I thought it was racism. Okay. I mean, there's probably some racism involved in calling okay. them like Africanized bees, but they did come from Africa. So, yeah. I mean, so did probably the ones that we got from Italy originally, but originally, yes. Yeah, yes. probably. Yeah. So, in 1956, at the University of Sao Paulo, Dr. Warwick Kerr imported 26 hives of African bees to Brazil. Oh. For some reason, Leonard Nimoy calls it San Paulo. And like, yeah. that's through the whole episode. And Again, I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> I'm probably not saying it correctly either, but I, I did wonder if he was talking about another city. So I did some Googling and nothing came up. So yeah, yeah I anyway. wonder if it's one of those things where because like San is like the Spanish for Saint and I don't speak Portuguese, but and maybe Sao is like the Portuguese for Saint. And so it was just a translation thing. Or was one of those things how we used to like always call Beijing Peking? Like, cause oh, we, maybe. And now size the name, Americanized it, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, I don't know. But. Yeah. Dr. Kerr's goal was to breed the perfect honeybee. He wanted to breed a super bee that combined the high producing characteristics of the African bee with the docile characteristics of the European bee. Man, I just, I'm sorry, cannot get the racism out of my head. I know, and see, I don't think it's racist, because it really is just these bees are from Africa. I know, but it just sounds so much like like, like slavery. Like, oh, we we want the strong workers, but we want them to be docile. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Anyway, they kept these bees in hives that had queen excluders, which are these metal grids that would allow the worker bees to pass through. But the queen would be too large to fit through, which keeps them from, yeah, which keeps them from swarming and like forming hives in the wild, basically. So good plan, except Mm -hmm. that unfortunately in 1957, 
a visiting beekeeper apparently looked at those like metal grids and was like, what are these? These seem weird and pulled them all off because that's, I don't know why you would do that without asking, but yeah, that's what he did. And since he removed all the queen excluders, all of a sudden (laughs) these hives that had grown because remember they breed super fast. So they're like ready to move on. So the African bee queens and their colonies just quickly escaped into the wild, hundreds of thousands of them, and they just established wild colonies pretty much immediately. Yeah, I don't know about the whole accidentally and mistakenly thing. I'm like, dude, you knew it. You had to understand what was going on. But like, why? Why would you do that on purpose? I don't because you're a weirdo. I don't know. Like Roswell, Roswell, don't keep the African bees. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can um, definitely like see it happening by mistake. I don't know what kind of mistake would make you say, hey, these things are here. I should remove them all. But like, yeah, I don't know. That also sounds like a weird story of like, oh, we thought we were going to keep them. And then some visiting person removed all the things and they it almost yeah. sounds like a cover story. Like it, it very well might be like, oh, we thought this we thought we had taken precautions and those precautions didn't work. But we got to figure out some way to blame it on not us. So we'll just say <laughs> it was it was a visiting professor, uh, professor, yeah. professor uh, Joe, Joe, Smith, professor Smith Joe tree. Yeah. yeah. Smith jungle tree. And he was walking mm-hmm. through and he removed all the yeah. metal grates on our hives. We don't know why. Anyway, yeah. he's not available for comment because he left. Yeah, because they killed him. The killer bees <laughs> killed him. We had to bury him. And so. Yeah, yep. we had to burn his body for safety, so you can't yeah, even see it. it. Might have been. Yep. <laughs> oh, anyway. anyway, yeah, I do think I think that's cover story. Honestly, I think it's cover story. That's fair. That's fair. It very well might be. Yeah. So anyway, once in a while, these killer bees marauded local hives, killing the bees and stealing their honey and their homes, obviously. And they established colonies everywhere. Apparently, like they would make colonies like in abandoned cars and just wherever they could find a place to like, build a colony. And so all these once gentle hives suddenly turned dangerous. And apparently they like attacked cows and farm animals and vibrations from the tractors and other equipment would cause the bees to attack local farmers at a church. A swarm got inside during a mass and stung the congregation in 1973. Firemen used flamethrowers to destroy a wild swarm that attacked over 300 people at a funeral service. And then, like, soccer games, people would get stung because, like, they'd be moving around too much. And the bees was like, no. And so they would, like, sting the players and the people watching. And then we hear about one case in 1974. A man named Jose Ferrero was hospitalized after being horribly stung by a swarm of killer bees. And he died later from his injuries. It's a really bad black and white photo of some dude laying in bed that we assume uh-huh. was Jose Ferrero. So in Rio, they entered a movie theater and stung the audience. And then in one bee attack, the autopsy found over 80 bees in the deceased person's stomach. So they got, got in his oh. mouth, I guess. And like, Ooh. yeah, isn't that awful? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if they got in there after he died, maybe. Because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they were, oh, they said they, said they found 80 bees. So they may have been partially digested. I don't know. Anyway. And then three fishermen barely survived another attack. And since 1957, which is when they escaped, Thousands of people have been attacked by killer bees, and over 300 people have died. Oh. Yeah, so I could see why you'd want to come up with a cover story and blame <laughs> it on some dude. Yeah, no, 100%. 100% Joe Smith tree over there. He's, it's his fault. 
you're making him sound like a native person and now it's like (laughs) i was just trying i was just doing the thing where like you're looking around i mean i don't think i don't think those kind of names are like the native people in brazil but no but you know when you're like trying to think of a name and you're like oh and like i see a tree so i'm gonna call him smith tree oh yeah like that kind of thing i wasn't i wasn't trying to do a he was he was ben freedom this is his name <laughs> he was Ben he Hive. <laughs> ben Hive. Ben in the Hive. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. So uh the University of Sao Paulo, where the piece escapes, uh, they now have scientists working on genetic experiments in an attempt to take the killer instinct out of the killer. So they're trying to like find a genetic way to which Maybe sounds a lot like what they were trying to do before, research. honestly. Isn't that the whole yeah, point it doesn't point? seem like their work has changed that much. No. So um, they squeeze the European drone bees and extract their semen. That scene freaked me out because they squeeze the little bee and his whole little thing like, poof, like pops out of his thing. That was Yeah, I think they only have one go or something there. I don't know I don't how that know. works. Yeah, it was but anyway, it was like if you squeezed a person and they're testicles came out of their ball sack or something it was very freaky looking anyway that's probably yeah. what you don't need to see but sorry i did it and then they have the anesthetized killer bee queen and they inseminate her and they're hoping that by inseminating her with like european bee semen her offspring will be less aggressive unfortunately since most bees breed in the wild this experiment has had little impact so far because it might be working but that's not going to change yeah it's working out. in the lab but um yeah so the people in the lab aren't getting killed by killer bees. That's good. Yeah. And then another attempt involved exposing bees to high radiation to produce mutant bees. They even produced one that was unable to sting. Yeah, I don't know. The idea of like, let's just irradiate things to make mutants out of them sounds like an awesome. Like, have you never seen a sci-fi movie from the 50s or 60s or read a comic book? Like, they just seem like an idea. Like, let, let's just randomly mutate things. Those that can always never end. Yeah, no, it always ends well. There's no reason that'll end badly. Yeah. And then, strangely, we get this reenactment by Dr. Norman Gary where he reenacts a killer bee attack from a movie that he made called Savage Bees. See, I was right. Savage Bees. They told you. Because the death of a single bee releases an odor that drives a nearby swarm into a frenzy. And then they attack him on a tractor and he has to jump in the water. And mm-hmm. um, I think they still kill him in the reenactment. I'm not sure. Anyway, he theorizes that killer bees could reach the United States by 1990, by the way. Whoa. So that is only a short 13 years away. Oh, scary. Possibly 14 when this was made. Because, again, the copyright on all these are 76, even though they aired in 77. So I'm not sure when these interviews were done. But then we hear about a weird case where they thought that some bees had showed up, like, just a couple years later on a boat. Because they could obviously get here faster on a boat. But apparently killer bees and European honeybees are almost exactly identical appearance-wise. And so they had misidentified normal bees. And so then we see in a lab that they're like, dissecting which basically consists of pulling the bees apart and then they feed all that information in a computer and they're able to catalog all the differences so that we can digitize the information and make well probably not make robot bees that would be cool but 
tell the difference, I guess. If you then take bees and pull them apart and stick them in a computer, then you'll know the difference. But yeah, I'm not sure. Seems weird. <laughs> Sometimes science is weird. Well, I think Sometimes the point science is weird. Yeah, I think the point is that like you can't tell by looking at them because they look the same. So like, but if you dissect them and then put their parts in the computer, they can sequence. They can find maybe one thing that you can identify so you know where to look, maybe. Like there's some very minute thing that they identify. I don't know. They're trying science, I guess. I have to give them credit for that. So, And then Dr. Gary returns to the University of Sao Paulo to again try his test of bee aggressiveness. Because, you know, we saw the first one didn't go well. No, he was not prepared for that one. And then we learned that bees, when they sting, their stingers actually can detach and then keep pumping until all the venom is released, which is what... Mm-hmm. They show uh, that, too. It's pretty funky yeah. looking. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. funky. Yeah. So Gary's test involves dangling a black patch of fabric in front of the hive, because remember, dark colors freak out these bees. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but... Yeah, I don't know why either. Bears. And then a second black patch on his suit. It's like this black patch in the center, like chest of his suit will measure the intensity of their attack. And so he does that and dangles the thing and the bees swarm and they attack him and they pelt so hard that he can like feel them hitting him from, you know, outside the suit. And they follow as he leaves the vicinity of the hive. And we learn that killer bees will pursue a victim great distances and they are very hard to calm down once they're riled up. Yeah, and we see the cameramen have like big black cameras that are getting the shit kicked out of them too. Uh-huh. So yeah, but you can't sting a camera. We learn. No, they, they, <laughs> they probably they tried though. Them. They probably tried. They probably tried. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get some narration that killer bees are unlike any honeybee that we have known. Unless stopped, they will live up to their name. Ooh, oh man, <laughs> damn. All right. And then we come back with some more narration. Steadily, millions of killer bees are swarming northward towards the United States. Scientists have suggested various ways to stem the bees' advance. Everything from introducing armies of docile drones that might dilute their aggressiveness to building a giant bee net at the Panama Canal. So far, nothing has been done. My favorite one. We're just going to build a giant (laughs) net. so great. Anyway. I also like the, so far, nothing has been done. We have all these ideas. We haven't done any of them. So when the killer bees will arrive and exactly how they will behave when they get here, we don't know. For now, there seems to be little we can do, but watch and wait. Because we haven't done anything. He told us that. So, yeah. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, we could do all those plans that they talked about. That yeah, they they're, had, I mean, but they're going to kill us. Do, so but... we might as well just be like, oh, they're going to kill us. All right. <laughs> so yeah so uh dr norman gary was correct the killer bees did actually arrive in south texas in 1990 that's where they were first found so yeah he had it spot on actually yeah for three years they actually remained in that one area without spreading very far for some reason and they're actually still not sure why they like got there and then just didn't move barbecue um, they're like texas barbecue texas i mean barbecue. I hear it's delicious. But then by 1993, they were found in Arizona. By 1995, they arrived in New Mexico and Southern California. And by 1998, they were in Nevada. 
That's yeah. weird because New Mexico is between Arizona and Texas. They're like, yeah, fuck this place. And just like went to Arizona and then like, oh, maybe we'll go back to New Mexico. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. exactly. Or maybe they just didn't find them until then. Maybe. So who knows? Okay. Recently, they were found that they've actually spread to Louisiana, Arkansas, and Florida. They're still moving around. Other reason why the southern United States sucks. Anyway. So well, I'm about to move to Nevada, so that doesn't make me super happy. Yeah, but you're looking at like <laughs> northern Nevada. Yeah, they're pretty close to the, if you look at the map, they're pretty much up there. I'm like, oh god. Uh, okay. That's gonna be fun for it's me. It's funny because when we did our Quagmire episode, in my head, I always thought Lake Tahoe was further south than it is. It's, it's so far, far north. north. Yeah. It's far north and it's a high elevation, but I'm not moving to Lake Tahoe, I'm moving to like Reno. So Oh, I mean, I'm moving close to my family, but I don't want to live in Tahoe again. Plus, you can't find a rental in Tahoe to save your life. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. So now you guys know where to go if you're going to stock Tory. Yep. You can come find me in Nevada, northern Nevada in a couple months. Yay. Yay. So as you mentioned, Dr. Norman Gary actually is not one of those kind of weird scientists we get sometimes. Or like, or maybe we're like a really good scientist and kind of went off on their own little deal. I did a little digging on him. It was pretty easy because he's got his own website, normangary.com. And so I have just some stuff. He's a, a author and co-author on over 100 publications on bees, including scientific papers, book chapters, trade journal articles. And he's written one book, only one book, which I'm just kind of surprised by. He is a consultant and expert witness for litigation involving bees and other insects. <laughs> okay, I would love to know more about that. They should do an episode on like the bee I imagine that's for people renting bees to like do like almond trees and stuff or whatever. Oh, maybe. And then yeah. I bet that's probably what it is. He's also a consultant for honey bee and insect entertainment, displays and fairs, and then for federal research projects that involve bees. He was the first to document the reproductive behavior of honeybees on film. So, yeah, he actually discovered queen bee sex attractant pheromones. So he learned about those, too. He invented a magnetic retrieval capture recapture system for studying the foraging activities of bees, documenting their distribution and flight range in the field. He patented a device and method to remove queen bees from hives without harming them. He led a research team on a four year project to determine the effects of microwaves on honeybees. And determine environmental risks of microwaves from solar power satellites in space. Huh. Because obviously we know currently there's kind of a bee problem, bees dying off and whatever. So he developed devices and methodology for quantitatively evaluating intracolony mortality of honeybees caused by pesticides, diseases, and other factors. Some more information on that. He developed the concept and conducted the research on the use of micro-encapsulation of materials to expedite ingestion of nutrients and medications by bees. So if you have to give bees a little medicine, you can't just like pop a pill. You have to figure out how to give them, right? And he developed and taught the first insect behavior course at UC Davis. And then he taught beekeeping and entomology courses and supervised advanced degree programs for graduate students in the entomology and animal behavior graduate group at UC Davis from 1962 to 1994. He's now retired, I believe. And then he also developed and taught graduate courses on the use of television for research and teaching. Nice. I wonder if his movie Savage Bees was part of that. I don't know. It's entirely possible. Yeah, but as far as I know, he is still living, and you can go to his website, normangary.com, and learn about bees. So, very exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to talk about bees anymore. Okay. We can talk but about murder hornets. Ooh. We're going to have to talk Africa about too. bees and hair and Volk. Ooh, man. So. Yeah. Bees come up a lot in the X-Files, too. Yay. Mm. <laughs> Those flies in the list. I, yeah, did get a little, I, I did I did get a little itchy in this episode, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's just a lot of bees on the camera. Mainly I like, got constantly. itchy during the whole like larva bits when they would show them developing in the in the hives. They had some cool shots though. They do, like, yeah. Like cutaways. So you can actually see like the front and then also like lengthwise. So yeah, very interesting. But yeah, killer bees. Yeah, one more thing to worry about. You're I don't welcome. know that we really need to go in search of them because they're apparently in search of us and are going to kill us. So, yeah. Unless the murder <laughs> hornets get here first. Killer bees are taking their sweet time, I have to say. So, yeah. Well, we did have murder hornets. They got rid of them. Oh, they did? Yeah, they did. Oh, like I, this the thing. whole murder hornet thing kind of fell off the. Yeah, well, it was like. So it was attention. up here in Washington, and I can't remember exactly where it was. But they did like an extraction and they managed to like remove the murder hornets. Oh. But I don't know if they got them all. I just know there was like a big news thing about how they got rid of the murder hornets. And I was like, thank God. That's, That's why I haven't heard about them anymore. Get about. rid of them. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I don't think we can give Obama credit for that. Oh, okay. It's very recently, actually. I don't remember when exactly. I thought that was just something was- just, you're like, thanks, Obama. I think it was one of those things like in 2020 where there was just so much stuff going on that it was like impossible or like even 2019 where it was just like constant bombardment. You couldn't really keep track of what was happening, but I was keeping track of the murder hornets because I live in Washington and I was like, I don't need to be worried about that. I have enough things to have high anxiety about. Okay. See, I'd be like, I don't need to worry about that. So I'm not going to keep track of it, but that's how my brain works. So I just want to make sure that like, they're not going to be in my backyard tomorrow or something. I don't have a yard, but you know, my, like my apartment's yard or something. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that was killer bees. Killer bees. Can't wait to see what in search of has in store for us next. I'm sure it's super fun. Just going to, we're going to shake things up next episode that's all i gotta say so, <laughs> thanks for supporting us and uh you will find out next week what we got yeah. up for in search of actually you'll find out if yeah. you listen to the end credits <laughs> tori 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 <sighs> you gotta listen to those end credits to see if nick found a sweet outtake for you <laughs> or if it's just gonna be my cats whining more yeah, we'll see. I think we got some this episode. I, I definitely think so. If nothing else, we went on some crazy ass tangents. We did go on episode, a couple so. tangents. I don't know. It's yeah. one of those days. Yeah, we're actually getting pretty good at this, where we don't mess up so much, but we do go off on nutty ass tangents. So mm-hmm. that might become the thing for the end credits now. It's just tangent, tangent, tangent. So yeah, but listen, <laughs> find out. Of, I was talking about. Yeah, because like stuff. we say bye, and then the theme music comes in, and then you look at your podcast app, and you're like, "Holy shit, there's still seven minutes of this podcast." Oh my god! So you <laughs> know, you're in six for a good minutes one. of Tori babbling <laughs> about her cats, or Nick talking time, about soda or something. This time, <laughs> mm-hmm. listen, 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 listen. But anyway, thanks, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag Really Just a Bedroom Closet. 
Episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next Wednesday as we go in search of earthquakes. Oh, okay. (laughs) And try to figure out if If the the truth truth is is still still out there. there. Yeah, you can do that. I am going to mention that he says San Paulo, and it's actually Sao Paulo. Yeah, I thought it was Sao Paulo, but like, yeah, yeah, but it's actually, but he says San Paulo all the time. So, um, yeah, I I looked it up and I couldn't find that, and I was like, I think he's talking about Sao Paulo. So, yeah, yeah, I'll just put that in as the city that I know exists in Brazil. Yeah, you can add that. I can chime in with that. Whatever you want to do it. Yeah. I thought maybe it was also a pronunciation I've never heard before. I don't know. I don't speak Portuguese. I was just listening to something. It was actually the Unexplained podcast, and they're talking about the two dudes who died on the mountain with the with the metal goggles that were like expecting like mysticism stuff or healing. No one really knows exactly what happened. And instead of saying Rio de Janeiro, he says Rio de Janeiro. And I'm like, I've never heard that before. Like it's I mean, R. it could be right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know. Yeah. I don't speak Portuguese, so. But I was like, no. I have never heard it said that way before. But yeah, well, me no. neither. But you, I mean, but he's I British too, so I, who knows? They say yeah, and- they say herb. So <laughs> they say herb. Aluminium, <laughs> which yeah. I prefer. Aluminium is sounds so much better than aluminum, honestly. I know. But <laughs> my favorite is in Australia. They call peppers capsicums. Like, oh, just like, well, because like they are. Just, I mean, yeah, exactly. But if you're having like um like bell peppers and stuff, they just call them capsicums. And so like I'm always like, like oh, abergines cool. instead of eggplants. Those are cool. Yeah, it's a cool way to yeah. say it. I used to watch a lot of Australian cooking shows. MasterChef Australia is a work of art, but I can't <laughs> seem to find it anymore. So I can't. I can't get it. Australia Ten has locked me out, and I that region locked me out. Oh, 
you know, such a good show. Anyway. Which is interesting because DVDs from Australia are actually PAL 4. Oh, maybe I should just try and order it on DVD. But like, so MasterChef well, Australia. Then, but, well, then, but then you need a DVD that'll play PAL 4 DVDs. Mm, that was yeah. always a thing back when I would try and get like British television or Australian DVDs as I needed to have a DVD player that would uh would play them. You had a, a special international one that would play all DVDs. Yeah. You know, that I... bullshit where you couldn't buy things like worldwide. So so stupid just like let me buy it on itunes i'll pay for it i'm happy to pay for it yeah why don't you it's want like, my money i don't understand it's why like you japanese don't want my music money. like they have some stuff on itunes but like some of it they don't have and it's really like you just can't buy like you can go to cd japan and order stuff or you can go yeah to Kino and you can't and log- i remember it, i remember trying to but- do that originally trying to log into the japanese itunes store and then it wouldn't let you because your address didn't match your credit card didn't match and it wouldn't let you buy anything and i'm like Dude, I'm trying to give you money. What the fuck? What the hell is the problem? And you can oh, actually Jesus. search by like if you if you like copy the Japanese name of the band or whatever the group. Yeah. You can search in the iTunes store and you can find some stuff and it will let you buy not from the American iTunes store, but it's weird because like they don't have everything and then like it's it's really hard. To, I don't know. It's just so stupid. I'm like, we live in a global world. Just let me yeah, pay, give you, you money. Yeah. Why are you making this? it hard for me to give let you me money. buy the new season of Taxmaster? I will buy it. Like, just give me a place and let me give you some money and then I can yeah. pay for it and watch it's it. Like, and I'm we live in this that. crazy ass capitalism world. <laughs> and yet at the same time, you're like, no, you can't give me money on like stupid shit that would make me happy. Like, right. why? Like, come oh, on. I would buy Oh, because it would make me happy. That's why. I got it. I just of MasterChef Australia. I would pay yeah. serious you can't, money for it. You can't but... be happy. So, <sighs> anyway. anyway. All right. So, I don't know how we got on that topic. Because <laughs> we were talking about San Paulo versus San Paulo. Oh, right. Yes, San Paulo. Which I'm probably not saying that right either, but that's fine. Yeah. 